Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I'm joined by a Texan fellow, a Southern man, um, a cowboy, Patrick Mallon. Patrick! Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, guys? You have moved to Austin, mm-hmm. and you're in Austin right now. I am. So we're now a we're now a multi time zone podcast. Yes, it feels different. It feels, I don't know, challenged. Uh, <laughs> well, I know feels... part of that is because, and I want to let our audience know just how gregarious and generous of a host Casey is. I've had gregarious. I've had yes, a brutal week schedule wise, and Casey has been nothing but accommodating and kind and. Really? I feel like I kind of complained a little bit. You did. But I, yeah. we, <laughs> well, I'm just I, trying to paint a nice picture of you for our listeners. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. I, I'm under, I understand. You moved across the country, Patrick. Yeah, so, awful. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Overall, ever. it was okay. So, can I take you through my route real quick? I think listeners. Sure. Be... You promised this would be interesting, and <laughs> I'm not so convinced. So, go on. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not that interesting. But I do want... Okay, so basically I drove from San Diego all the way through northeast New Mexico. Stayed at a cool hotel. The, and then I saw a good friend, Mac. Oh, a cool hotel. But, this is really a fascinating Okay, so story, let's skip but... ahead. Let's skip ahead to what I do want to talk about real quick. Have you been to Arkansas before? Yes. You have? What have you... What? Uh-huh. When? When did you go to Arkansas? Ignatians or something else? I don't remember. I don't, I've been there. Okay. I was I was down in Mississippi when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, and I I have been in Arkansas. Yeah. So I went to Northwest Arkansas for the first time last year, around the time we started this, and I was struck at how beautiful the state is. At least that part of the state, Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And so there's this artist that I like. His name is Dylan Earl. He's kind of like this honky tonk Western classic country artist from Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is where University of Arkansas was. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I was coming out here and I was like, uh, I didn't get my keys to the 30th. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll camp in Arkansas for a few days and go and explore some lakes and You're insane. I would never do this. I can't relate to it at all. (laughs) Your mind is a scary place. I just don't know where it's going to take you. See, this is the thing. I don't think it's that strange, but everyone I have told thinks it's the strangest thing. But to me, it makes sense. I don't know. Because I'll tell tell people, like, why Arkansas? That's past Texas. Because I did go past my destination. Yeah, but it's not that crazy. Do you you find it crazy? Yeah, I do. Okay, what would you have done in the interim? Like, let's say you didn't get the keys until like I did. So today, today we're recording on Friday, July thirtieth. Yeah, and you didn't get the keys. Doesn't your brother live in Austin? Well, yeah, I stayed with him last night because I'm dog sitting for them. Yeah, I would have just stayed there a couple nights. So what you would have done is you would have driven from LA and then just stayed with him until you got your keys. Yeah. You wouldn't have tried to make anything fun out of it? I would find that fun being in a new city. Well, yeah, it's still fun, but I mean, you wouldn't have want, wanted to do like a little diversion trip? No. I don't that, know. that would have just added so much extra stress that would have been like a compounding of like, oh, I'm going to do this other thing on top of moving. That seems horrible. I will say it was more stressful, especially camping. So I camped in Devil's Den State Park, which was great, but it was, um, you know, I'm just a little Cali boy and I didn't realize yeah. how humid it gets in Arkansas yeah. in July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like 82 degrees of 98% humidity at like one in the morning. <laughs> well, you know, you have experienced some of that a little bit when you came to Minneapolis and we went to that Twins game. You remember that? Yeah, that was, we that would was step like the outside most and our, hands, of my life. our palms would start sweating instantaneously. It was, that, was, that was the most humid 
sensation I've ever felt. Yeah. And I felt a lot because I've spent time in Mississippi, Alabama, and Minnesota is a very humid place. That was probably that was top really three. The one that in my mind sticks out as the most humid because I'd never been to Houston before. So about two years ago, I went to Houston and I remember I got my flight got in pretty late around midnight or 1 a.m. And I step outside and it is un. Unbelievable, yeah. like the th- yeah. thickest, most it moist air you have. It is a horrible feeling. Oh, it is unbelievable. Your whole body just immediately beads of sweat build up and drip and drench your entire body. I will say, once the sweat has broken, it feels a little better. It does, and you know, you know it's, what, like once you get like a bottle or like a bucket of water dumped on you, you feel like okay, I broke the seal. I'm okay. Yeah, you yeah. know. So, anyways, That's, but horrible. Northwest yeah. Arkansas, it's great. It's beautiful. Highly recommend it for folks that are thinking about going somewhere <laughs> sure and yeah i always think of the drummer from the band uh leave on helm when i think of art i love leave on helm love Levon. pulled into nazareth was feeling about a half past dead Look you know you yeah the weight i love the band i love the band too up on cripple creek um on cripple creek i also love the night they drove old dixie down you know that song was singing yeah that yes. uh, robbie robertson wrote that for levon oh very good um, uh but, was there anything else to your story patrick yes, last thing i want to say is so last night july 29th was my first night in austin and you know it's hard to make friends as an adult case you don't know how to make at least for me i mean i feel like for most people what are you talking about i feel like you always are making new friends i mean it's still hard it's not yeah, easy but you do yeah it's harder so, i will say it's so harder. what i tried to do so my first night i was like there was this fun thing called a taco run that was put on by these local uh-huh. running clubs i was like this is great you run so you're kind of getting some fitness and you're going to get tacos and uh so i did that and i didn't know anyone i went by myself you are a madman and that is uh, wild and i had a really good time i met some new friends or who i hope to become friends but it's you've weird been there a day and you've already you already have better friends than i have well i don't i don't life. know about that i don't know about that it's isaac and arthur were their names and would you uh, die for them i would not die for them but i'm curious to see where our where our friendships go i'm curious. would you take a bullet for me no, I'm sorry. I wouldn't. Would you take a bullet for me? Uh, no, I've got a wife exactly. and a no. dog. I wouldn't you know? expect I would be annoyed if you took a bullet for me. Uh, would you would you would you if you saw I was about to get shot, would you yell something out at me? Like say, "Case, look out." Or would you be like, oh, he's got it covered." What do you mean? Why would I not say, "Case, look out?" Like worried that I could be collateral damage? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I would want you to look out. Interesting. Okay. okay. Well, Patrick, How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, it's very hot in Los Angeles, so I don't particularly care for. Um, I talked about the surprise film shoot already. That already happened, right? And yeah. the bachelor party. I mm-hmm. can't. Re- it's been a while since we've recorded. It's like a week and a half longer than usual. Mm-hmm. This past week was just kind of R and R, baby. The you had back to back packed weekends. I know it was that I, that really took it out of me. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. Um, but I'm fine. I have nothing to report, but Patrick, I'm I'm glad you're you've made it safely to Austin, your new home. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, Trisha and I will probably visit you. I'm guessing probably winter next year. Okay, whenever. Maybe I mean, the, the sooner Maybe. the better. It's great for me. Um, but we got a big show today, Patrick. Yeah, we got a so huge let's get into it. Show. We don't have a sponsor today. Is that correct? Um, no, but that's okay. That doesn't mean people don't love us. No, it doesn't. It doesn't These mean that people hard don't times, love Case. us. These are hard times. These are hard times. Patrick, if like a, a right-wing conservative group 
wanted to sponsor our show, would you take their money? What were the terms? If the NRA sponsored our show, would you take their what money? What kind of deal would they be giving us? $200 no, for an episode. No. $10,000. Per episode? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm, that's tough. For, I what would s- you do for 10000 For the NRA? Per episode? $10,000. That means $10,000 per week. You know, I don't think I'd take it. That it would be ruinous to our reputations. I think it would be bad. Uh, maybe if we had a con. What if we had a five-year contract? They guaranteed us five years. I, I have. I. They would never. The NRA would never sponsor our show because I actually give money to the Brady Pack, which is an anti-gun legislation mm. uh, lobbyist group. And so they would never want to be on here. And I'm very anti-gun. I never want to touch or shoot a gun in my life. See, I feel and the same way. I'm very anti-gun. And I've had this thought lately. I've been like, what if I became pro-gun just to like fight the NRA? Like started a new kind of gun-friendly group. But it was- That doesn't work. Because don't you remember when Philando Castile, he was like a proud gun owner, black man in Minnesota. And he mm-hmm. got killed. Because he had a gun and he's a black man and, and the NRA did nothing. Yeah. It's it's just a white supremacy group I know. at that point. But you I know? mean, do you do you know the history of the NRA? Like how it used yes, to be? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. Yes. So it used to be much different. And then there was a basically a, an internal struggle, like kind of like an internal coup that completely fundamentally changed the spirit of the NRA. Yeah. The NRA used to be a different organization. Let's stop talking about the NRA. <laughs> Sounds good. I don't want to have to say that again on this podcast, Patrick. <laughs> Uh, Patrick, let's. We have no five star reviews again. It's oh not because people don't love us; God. it's because people forgot about us. And uh, the only reason I don't okay. feel miserable about the sponsor and the five star reviews is our our listenership is trending upwards. So that's good. Trending upwards, so that makes me happy. But please leave a five star review; it helps the show. It really does. Like if people go to the show page, they're like, "What is this podcast?" And they see we have a bunch of reviews; they're much more likely to listen. That's mm-hmm. just science. Yeah. And this is a science podcast, so it will help. Exactly. Patrick, letterbox rundown. I bet you had a shit week <laughs> it's just so aggressive i bet you had a shit fucking week didn't you loser patrick i had a very good week so i'm i'm excited to go in all right well, why don't you tell me about your good week okay so first of all have you seen these fear street movies on netflix no what the hell are those do you know do you remember fear street by rl stein yeah yeah they adapted them into three movies are they for kids uh, they're kind of like more teen, but they're hard R's. They're very violent. And they they oh, they're swear. hard R's. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but they are kind of for teens. But I liked them. I thought they were really good. And there's one. It's Fear Street 1994, Fear Street 1978, and Fear Street 1666, and they're all connected. And I actually thought they were pretty good. The third one was a little weak, but I watched all those this week. Um, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed them. They're really fun. I thought you might not like them because you hate theater and mm. you this is it, this gives off a little bit of theater kid energy and they're teens you know mm. and you famously and it's directed by a woman you famously hate uh women uh not true directors. in fact i was going to suggest the night porter for our next movie but instead we'll get to our next movie later because it's a big deal but I was oh go- you, you were going to suggest a movie directed by yeah. a woman <laughs> wow yeah. uh okay and then so those were good i actually think you would like them they're like they're fun. Okay, I cool. thought they were good. Um, particularly the first two. Were you a fan um, of Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nickelodeon? Yes. Yeah, me too. Loved Remember it. the episode if with you, Gilbert actually, Gottfried? If you liked... <laughs> yes. Yes. 
That was my introduction wait. to Gilbert Gottfried. I always thought he was a scary dude. Is he? Wait, which episode is he in? I don't even remember him on there. It's an episode where I think he plays. I don't deny. D- I don't. I think doubt he plays it. like a concessionaire at a movie theater. I want to say like that sounds something right. like that. But that was my I introduction watched, to Gilbert Gottfried. Is are you? I watched a bunch of those episodes this last Halloween just because I got in a mood. Are they I kind of a bunch fun of even now or no? Is it? Yes, I I, I enjoyed watching them because okay. you but know you try whole, to watch. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say if you watch the Goosebumps, those are not good okay. anymore. But are you afraid of the dark holds? Because Pete and Pete holds up really well. Like speaking yeah. of like old school Nickelodeon stuff, like Pete and Pete holds up well. So it's good to hear that. Are you afraid of the dark holds up pretty well? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I could talk on about this all day, but I must move on. So I also watched Space Jam: A New Legacy. Oh my! Which was fuck. it was bad. Oh, you had to and watch I, that for I'm work, an, huh? I'm an easy mark when it comes to. Space Jam because I liked the original Space Jam. I have a soft spot in my heart. This was bad. I they did so many things, and I think the thing that I thought was the worst is I was too frequently confused about the plot of the movie, which I should never be in a Space Jam movie. I was like, wait, what is happening? And the end is so vexing. I was just I was shocked out of my mind. Uh, and then I watched this movie called Blood Red Sky, which is also a Netflix horror movie. Hmm. Um. It's about, it's kind of like snakes on a plane, like these terrorists take over a plane and there's a mother on there with her son and they're flying to New York and she's going to New York to get a medical procedure and you don't know what it is and you realize she's a vampire and in order to like save her son, she like lets her vampire instincts take over and she just kills a bunch of terrorists. Hmm. It's cool. Okay. It's cool. It's tight. Sick. It's German. Sick. Three and a half. Uh, Patrick, let's hear about you. Well, as you, as you had uh suggested at the top of the segment i had a shit week, shit week. yeah shit week i didn't i didn't watch anything oh that's okay yeah i carried you uh you did you watched more than enough for both of us i do plan well there's two movies that i plan on seeing in theaters this weekend but i don't want to spoil it for the next episode so i'll uh i'll leave why don't you tell us and then we'll see if you actually watch them i think this will be a nice teaser Patrick. okay so what do you, you prefer you to do the hold me accountable versus the surprise well have you read the book stoner I like to do the accountable thing, Patrick. All right, so keep me so, accountable. We'll be recording at our regular time on Tuesday. Sure. Uh, so by Tuesday, I will have seen Pig and the Green Knight. Oh, fantastic. I'm excited about both those movies. Yes. Uh, Christian Duenas, a fart head and a patron of the farts. Yes, you've been um, criticizing him across all sorts of social media I've seen. Yeah, he posted about something I said to him at work. Yeah, you're very really harsh with our fans. Cutting. I'd prefer you treated our fans with a little bit more respect. Well, if they deserve uh, to be punished, I punish them. <laughs> and Christian said, you're going to like Pig. He texted me that. So that got me excited. Okay, cool. Christian Joanios, great man. His podcast, Heat Rocks, is coming to an end. Uh, and he did so much work on that podcast. And it's an awesome podcast about music. Um, really great. Is he and producer or host of that? He's a producer, but he does a lot there's a lot of editing magic that goes in that show, and Christian did a great job. And uh, so, just wanted to send that out to him. If you get he's a chance, he's a fun follow on Instagram rocks. too. Yeah, because it kind of validates my content. interests. He'll post something, and I'm like, "Yes, I love that." Mm. And I feel good about myself. That's good. I, that's all we can ask from our fans: making us good, <laughs> making us feel good about <laughs> yeah, us. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Patrick, yep. we got to move on okay, here, okay. baby. This is Fart House, Patrick. You know that. You're hosting it. We watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did, which is why we're talking about a movie I had never seen. Me neither. But it's one of those classic 
Art House Titles, Elevator to the Gallows. We'll discuss the movie. We'll subject it to our proprietary fartsy test, which determines just how impenetrable this movie really is. But Patrick, I must ask you, do you own this movie and have you seen it before? <sighs> no. And no. And before we continue... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that sounded, I've, you sounded defeated, Patrick. I do What's going because on? this is a movie I've wanted to own for a long time, and I've wanted to see for a long time. And I guess now is as good as time as any to mention that this soundtrack was one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It, it, and yet you'd never seen it. No, and it's it was kind of disorienting. Or I don't know if that's the right word, but it was interesting watching a movie where I knew every single musical beat. Like it just, and it triggered all sorts of other emotions and memories. And feel, because I've listened to this soundtrack maybe more than any other soundtrack, other than maybe, I don't know, maybe the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly soundtrack. Or wow, I'm not really a soundtrack listener. Mm. But this soundtrack, you have to admit, is like so. In college, in particular, I listen to the soundtrack all the time because it's a great study soundtrack, a very jazzy, sexy score. Well. We'll just I'm just gonna give you some info about this movie now. Yeah. It was directed by Louis Maul in nineteen fifty-eight. Miles Davis improvised the entire soundtrack in one night of recording. So I can't believe I didn't know that because I've listened to this record so many times. I can't mm. believe I didn't know that. But that's kind of like You must have not been a very curious teen. <laughs> but can I ask you, who does that you remind may? you of? Improvising in one session watching the movie. Who does that remind me of? Yeah, what other soundtrack artist does that remind you of? Uh, maybe Neil Young for Dead Man. Yep, exactly who I was thinking. I don't like Dead Man. It's not my favorite. What do you mean you don't movie. like it? What are you talking about? It's a fantastic movie. I don't care for that movie. Is what I said. You don't like Dead Man? This is the first time I don't time care you've for t- Dead Man. <laughs> wow, that's always Jim Jarmusch is one of my favorite directors, and I don't like Ghost Dog, and I don't like Dead Man. Yeah, these are two of your worst takes. Along oh. with the fact that In the Heights is your favorite movie of the past ten years, <laughs> you wish you wish you could pin that on I me, do. you fucker. I, do. I don't. I haven't even seen it. <laughs> uh, but that's crazy that Miles Davis improvised. I can't believe I didn't know that. I'm embarrassed. Uh, it, I don't. Well, don't be. It's okay. Um, <laughs> But it influenced, apparently it influenced how he made music going forward after this movie, um, which is kind of interesting, I think. Jazz jazz musicians are such interesting musicians, mm-hmm. you know? They do, it, a lot of it is improvised, but it's so complicated and they have to be so skilled. I feel like you have to be a mathematical genius to be a yeah, I talented do. I jazz think, musician. Yeah, it, yeah. It Whether is, or not it's, it's like, like a conscious mathematical genius or like a subconscious mathematical genius, you just have to have this brain that's yeah different from the rest well, of us. So this is directed by Louis Maul and Patrick. What's another Louis Maul movie we've talked on this very show? Your favorite? Which one is it? Uh, uh, hold on. I was actually thinking about this before. We've talked about it on this show. It's your favorite movie. It's not my favorite movie. Hold on, please. Now, oh, this is going to kill me. Don't tell me. My dinner with Andre. Oh, my dinner with. (laughs) Uh, Louis Maul, an interesting director. He also directed *Murmur of the Heart*, *Au Revoir*, *Les Enfants*. Um, A lot of movies. He was married to Candace Bergen, which I kind of forgot about. Yes, you Uh, mentioned that in the Louis Maul episode. No, did I? Yeah, but I forgot about that. That is very interesting. Um, Have you ever seen *Murmur of the Heart*? Yeah, I've seen *Murmur of the Heart*, and I've seen um, *My Dinner with Andre*. And then what was the other one? The one with the. Au revoir les enfants. No, the fire within. Le Fou Follet. Mm-hmm, le Fou Follet. Uh, uh, 
Louis Malle was 24 when he directed Elevator to Gallows, which he is very upsetting to me. He was 24 when he directed this? 24, and here's another thing. He had <sighs> already won the Palme d'Or before this movie because he co-directed, I think the movie's called The Silent World. He co-directed with Jacques Cousteau. So he's like a enfant terrible or whatever they call this. Is he considered part of the French New Wave or is he separate from them? I think he's kind of separate because it seems like he I don't know I like him because he kind of does his own thing a little bit and it doesn't seem like he's in school with those guys I no, don't know. it seems I would say it's like if you were to show even an average film fan Truffaut and Godard movies and then a Louis Maul film I think you might not be able to put your finger on specifically what's different but I think most people will acknowledge there's some difference between them yeah their mo- their movies are much more loose and all about pushing the boundaries of the uh, like what a film is, yeah, and especially Louis from Maul a narrative perspective. And I feel like Louis Maul is maybe not as interested in that. I don't know though. I can't. He he has so many different types of movies that it's kind of hard to put a pin on him. Um, but so he was twenty four when he made this movie, and uh, oh, I had something else to say about him. Oh well, I was gonna say in the movie Murmur of the Heart, which is a good movie. It, there's a lot. The, the main character is basically him as a child, but that character has sex with his mother in that movie, and it's not considered. It's not portrayed in the film like pedophilia. It's like a beautiful thing, and he's like 15 having sex with his mother. Do you yeah. remember that in that movie? Yes, I remember. Yeah, it's very upsetting. Very upsetting. I remember seeing it. Um, I saw a double feature of that and the fire within at the New Beverly, and I remember seeing uh, Murmur of the Heart. I think was the second in the billing. And uh, I was pretty tired. It was probably around, I don't know, 1130 midnight. And it was very, <laughs> I couldn't Another tell. classic film that Patrick has fallen asleep I didn't in. fall asleep. No, I did not fall asleep. I stayed awake. But it was it was strange. It was hard to, yeah, it's, to reckon with. It, it's weird because it's like it happens at the end of the movie and you're kind of like, huh? And then it's like a happy ending. And you're like, uh, yeah. huh? I don't know. It felt very French and unknowable. Anyways, Patrick, let's move on to the synopsis here real quick. Okay. So, Elevator to the Gallows is kind of a noir film, crime film. It uh, it stars, um, well, I'm not going to say who it stars because you don't know these people. Well, Jean Moreau is, plays Florence, who's kind of the main woman on this movie. But it's Florence and Julian are lovers, and Florence is married to Julian's boss. Let me ask you and a question co- right now. Oh, God, yes. At what point did you were you able to discern that Simone Carella was Julian's boss and Florence's husband. When they said it, I feel like but it took ha- a while yeah, though, took to a kind while. of figure out what's going okay, on. Okay. Yeah. They do say it in the movie. They do say it in the movie, for but the it ride. wasn't like I said, from take the me away, film. Okay. I trust you. Yeah. Uh, so Florence and Julia are in love. They're lovers. And Simone is Julian's boss. And they come up with this plan to kill Simone so Julian and Florence can be together. And basically, Julian's going to do it after work in kind of a sneaky way so it seems like Simone killed himself and then his body won't get discovered until Monday and Florence is kind of waiting at a nearby cafe to make sure it goes off with a hitch. And it was funny well, because get- remember when when Julian, when we're introduced to Julian's little like sort of like kit, it's like a Batman utility belt or like yes. a clue board game. It's like a grappling hook, a gun. Yes, there's a grappling hook involved going up to his office window and stuff. It's very complicated. I'm not going to get into that. But anyways, he does it perfectly. He kills him. It's all great. Locks goes, everything from the outside so it seems like no one had entered Simone's room. Yeah. 
So he goes down, you know, using the grappling hook, he goes out the window, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Anyways, he's like, wow, I did it. And he's about to drive away, and he's like, fuck, my grappling hook. <laughs> and he has to run back up. So he runs back up to the office to get his grappling hook. Real quick, you know, he's so close. Everything has gone out with a, gone off without a hitch, but... The manager of the building is leaving right as he goes up in the elevator and he turns off the power in the building, which seemed odd, but they turned off the power and he's stuck in the elevator. <laughs> elevator to the gallows. Have so you he's ever tried to there. pull off a prank where you left a key piece of evidence behind? I'm, assu- well, I'm giving you the benefit say, of the doubt that you haven't committed a crime. But I'm, you- not a, I'm not a pranker. Mm. I, I don't like pranks. I'm anti-prank. Wait, have you toilet papered anyone? No. You've anti-prank. never toilet papered anyone in high school. Would an anti-prank person toilet paper someone's home? I suppose not. But I mean, even still, it's like a staple of the high school experience, I thought. You know, Patrick, I would have, but I didn't have any friends in That's high school. and no one invited Stop me. Stop it. You did. Patrick, it kind of is true. <laughs> I really didn't have many friends in high school. You had friends. Let me tell you. No, I didn't. Okay. When I was a senior in high school, there were, I had no one to sit with. What do you that mean was you didn't have to sit with? I didn't have any friends to sit with at lunch. I would frequently go eat in the library by myself. Oh, you never told me this. Well, you forced my hand with your stupid oh. little well, this prank is how talk. I, this is how I felt yesterday at my taco run. I had I didn't had no one to stand next to. I had no one to run next to. I was kind of drinking my water and staring at my shoes and looking around. Well, you signed up for that. I don't know. I did. I I didn't sign up for no, high school. Just, anyway, I'm just trying to commiserate with you. <laughs> uh. It's not working. Um, so anyways, he's trapped in the elevator and Florence, who's waiting for him, is like, what the fuck? Where the hell is it? And so she spends the rest of the movie going bar to bar being like, have you seen Julian? Have you seen Julian? Have you seen Julian? Lots of milling. What's funny is and, they all know who he is, too. It's like, how many places yeah, they're like, do these no. So, okay, concurrently while this is happening, Julian left his car running when he just went up to go get his grappling hook, and this little punk-ass bitch named Louis, Louis, steals his car with his girlfriend, Veronique, and Veronique is like, oh my god, I'm so scared, like, this is crazy, we're stealing a car, and he's like an idiot, and I hate him, I hated Louis. He's awful, I could not stand him. Anyways, he ends up at a motel with Veronique, and then he's like, the cops are after me, but they kind of weren't. I don't know why he was freaking out, so he's like, Well, because he had stolen a scooter the week prior. Yeah, but it was like, it it seemed like he was worrying unnecessarily. Anyways, (laughs) he ends up, he's like, I gotta, he's like, I gotta ditch this car and steal another car. So he starts to, tries to steal this other German couple's car that they've been hanging out with. So he's gonna steal this car from this couple and he shoots both of them insanely to steal their car. And now he's in real trouble and everyone, and he uses Julian's name at the motel. Mm-hmm. So Julian's stuck in this elevator and all of a sudden he's one for a crime he didn't commit. Which Anyways, is ironic it's a big, because Julian did commit a crime. He did commit a murder, just not that murder. Anyways, it's a big hullabaloo, but don't worry, the detectives sort it all out. There is uh, a lot of other nonsense, but the detectives sort it out when Julian gets out of the ele- elevator the next day. The cops are like, we know you didn't kill those other couple, but you did kill your boss because we found these pictures of you and Florence together. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Elevator to the gallows. It's a great title. It is. Have you ever It's been... a little too intense. Actually, it is a good title, but I'm like, Elevator to the Gallows. It sounds a little pulpy. I don't know. It does. I mean, and that's kind of um that's kind of the vibe of it though. Yeah, it is. Have you ever been stuck Patrick. in an elevator? 
Okay, so when I was watching this movie, I kept singing that stupid Aerosmith song. Loving a Nana <laughs> Every time they cut to Julian please, in the elevator, please, it would go in my head. Please drop that song in. Loving a Nana Living it up when I'm going down. A stupid song. So do you remember Do you remember my uh, the girl I dated uh, when I was in Teledensia, Alex? Oh, it's so hard to keep track of all of your oh, lovers, shut but up. I do recall okay. Alex. Do you remember yes. her, friend, her friend Rebecca? Yes, I remember Rebecca. So Rebecca's mom and her aunt, they're twin sisters. And they okay. were they're actresses. So they were famously in, I think, Beetlejuice and the Adams family. And they are also in the Love Love Elevator music video. Really? Are they sexy twins? Um I don't know if that's how they'd be characterized by most folks, but they're What a kind thing to say. <laughs> They're in it, and they're twins, and they're dancing wow. next to Steven Tyler during a love in an elevator. Love in an elevator? <laughs> yeah. Bad song. I don't know why that kept coming in my stupid head. Maybe because I'm stupid. Yeah, um, because at least like when I had night moves in my head while I was watching night moves, I mean, that makes sense. But love in an elevator during elevator. I know. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that. But Patrick, to answer your original query, I've never been stuck in an elevator, and the prospect sounds horrifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've seen like, you know, there's all these videos on the internet of like people getting stuck in an elevator. And I remember there was one, it was maybe it was an article I read and it was like, man, a man was stuck in an elevator for like 28 hours or something, but he masturbated within the first two hours. What? He masturbated in the elevator within the first two hours of being stuck. Who in is even report? Like, is he self disclosing this information? I think he was on camera. Oh, oh. Why would if you were an editor of a paper and you had that information, would you put that into the article? I would have to. It's news, <laughs> my man. But Patrick, would how would you handle being stuck in an elevator? Because Julian well. handled it it's, pretty well. It, not well. It happened to me when I was a kid, actually. <gasps> it did. How long were you in there? Not very long. And in fact, saying stuck in an elevator is probably not a generous or is probably not an accurate characterization. My mom would know best, but there was a time we were leaving a doctor's office. Hmm. And I don't know why my mom and brother got off and I stayed on. I can't remember, but I was stuck in an elevator, quote unquote, stuck in an elevator for like, I don't know, which felt like eight or nine minutes, but was probably two to three minutes if that. Oh, okay. But if I was freaking out, my mom could hear me screaming from like the next level. Oh my God. Trauma. That's traumatic. And there's so many movies where people like die in elevators, like they try and get out and like, have you seen, have you ever seen the show Six Feet Under? Yes, I have. I haven't seen the elevator. There's episode, one episode, though. like so, at the beginning of every episode of Six Feet Under, it shows a sort of kind of shocking death scene. Yes, and there's one in particular where someone's trying to get out of an elevator that's stuck, and then it starts moving, and they get like cut in half, and like that oh, shit. Yeah, that's my nightmare. Yeah. I would never. Yeah, that that I watched this really terrible zombie movie. It might also be called Elevator. It was a French zombie movie. Where a guy was stuck in an elevator while there was like a zombie apocalypse going on in his office. <laughs> so people were like kind of trying to get in and he couldn't get out. I don't know. It was bad. Didn't M. Night Shyamalan it. do an elevator movie? Like the devil? Oh, he did. Or inside yes. or something like that. Yeah. I think I would be okay being stuck in an elevator. I don't. I wouldn't want to be stuck in an elevator by, uh, with another person. I'd rather be by myself. Would you rather? Okay. Here's a big question. You can get this out. Would you rather be stuck in an elevator alone or with Trisha? Oh, with Trisha. Okay. Definitely. But, but what not if a person that, I But what know. if it was dangerous? Wouldn't you prefer that she was not in danger? That's true. And who? Uh, who yeah, I would. 
Yeah, I guess I would prefer not to have Trisha in that. Okay, have a have a have a. Would you prefer to be stuck in an elevator with me or with Trisha? Trisha. Oh my Jeez. god, Trisha. But then Trisha is safe. Yeah, I know, but you have to think about your. You have to be selfish sometimes. <laughs> in life. What do you think be would be most irritating you. about having me in an elevator? I just think Trisha would keep her cool much more than. <laughs> I do. The only elevator story I have that's sort of funny is I remember, you know how baseball teams will have like their fan day at the stadium. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe yeah. this was just it was like Twins Fest is what it's called. No, Padres have that too. Yeah, fan fest. Yeah. And we went, and me and Jay Bowler. This we must have been in like seventh grade. Jay Bowler, he was the uh, actually he he wrote for the he was the ed- web editor for City Pages, which was like Minneapolis's L.A. Weekly. Oh, cool! Uh, until it got closed down like oh. a year ago. Okay, it's a Bummer. shame. Anyways, Jay Bowler, we were we were you know you can walk around the stadium a little bit, but we were going in places we seriously were not allowed to go to, and we. <laughs> We went into an elevator. We were like in some back room of the Metrodome and Jay pressed an elevator button and the elevator opened and there were no lights on the elevator. And he was like, should we go in? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And we go in and as the doors were closing, we realized there were no buttons in the elevator. It was all, it was all like keys. You were supposed to have a key to, this was like old fashioned where it was actual physical, not a single button in this elevator. And, um, uh, there, there was one button, but the doors were closing and it was dark in there. And but it wasn't like there was any button that said like floor two, floor three, or yeah. something. And they were closing, and I was like, Jay, there are no buttons. <laughs> and he's like, ah! and and the doors closed, and we're in pitch black darkness for like two seconds. And then he found the button that opened the door again. Oh my god! But that would have been bad. How because old were we you guys? Were like eleven or twelve. Were you there we with your parents? Been, no, I think we were there with... No, we were by ourselves. They just dropped you off and let you roam free? I don't know if they dropped us fest? off, but we were wandering by ourselves. Mm, we were okay. well, we were alone. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if that had stuck, we, we would have been in pitch black darkness, and God knows when we would have been found. I know. I don't know if we'd Anyways, be talking today. I Who knows? <laughs> uh, find two skeletons of, like, two 12-year-olds in the <laughs> Metrodome. That, what a story that would be. <laughs> Um, oh my god i'm sorry we got it so far off track <laughs> we're talking about elevators it's not what else are we supposed to talk about isn't it funny i was while i was watching this it seems like even though we were like this isn't quite french new wave e i mean it kind of is but i feel like so many french new wave films are like wouldn't it be delicious if we killed somebody it's always like what if we killed somebody yeah, and it's the, like such a playful idea yeah and the and it all the murders in these movies feel like done they obviously feel written by people who have never had like been around violence or like they it it just feels like so removed from reality you know it's like a 12 year old writing like then he gets his grappling hook and he goes up to the window it's like (laughs) such a like young man innocent way of writing a murder do you know what i'm saying does that make sense i do yeah it does and it's always kind of precursors to like sexual it like there's kind of a sexual element to all of it not in like not in the actual murders themselves but i feel like a lot of the murders are just like either motivated by sexual passion or result in sexual passion like even like lots of sex involved like even after uh Louis is that the one who kills the German, the young guy yes even after Louis kills the german his his girlfriend veronique is like 
She's not particularly, she's more just worried about him, worried about Louis and if he might get caught. Yeah. She's just kind of also kind of turned on and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, it's a yeah, very it, French thing, I feel like. I, I was also thinking about, you know, like the Menendez brothers where it's like, oh, let's kill, like, I feel like teens murdering people without consequence or like without the fear of consequence or like that's like a scary notion too and yeah. there's some of that going on in this movie particularly with louis who's like i had to shoot these people it's like no you did not yeah. you did not have to kill <laughs> those two germans like that was yeah. so insane it also okay so later louis and veronique get back to the their apartment after the murders and they're like we should kill ourselves and they take some like pills and they're like, we're going to die now. I love you. We're killing ourselves. It doesn't work. <laughs> but I knew a girl who had a suicide pact with a bunch of her friends. Oh, shit. And she took a bunch of pills and oh, she lost shit. her leg. Fuck. Because, in high school? When was this? Yeah, in high school. Did she go to your school? No, I met her on a mission trip. She was from Boston, but we like hung out for like two weeks when we were on this mission trip. Did she tell you about the pact at that time? Yeah, that's how I found out about it. Oh, wait. So did she have her leg or did not have her leg? She did not have her leg at that point. And then she told you this is what happened. This is how I lost my leg. Yeah. Holy shit. And I do feel like that is like it gets, you know, we've talked about this with other movies, but like the intensity of being a teenager Mm -hmm. and feeling like things are so serious. Yeah. Like. I have to kill myself. Um, what else is there to even say about this? Was there movie? a particular I have so few notes? You have so few or so many? Did I tell you about "Love in an Elevator" the Aerosmith mm-hmm, song? Mm-hmm. I said that already. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I was gonna say that. You know, this movie. I was like, in some ways, I was like, I'm glad I'm in the era that I am because it's like. With technology, he would have a cell phone if yes, this happened Casey, now. Yes, and he would I had text, that exact same He would text note. Lawrence like, I'm stuck in the fucking <laughs> elevator. Help me. Or there would be like an emergency button like, help, I'm stuck in the elevator. You know? Yeah. Like there would have been someone to call, but there was no emergency call button. So it's funny that you thought of it in that context. I thought of it in the context is so, you know, Florence and Julian, as we've established, are the lovers who are pursuing their illicit affair. And Florence is going from bar to bar and she can't get a hold of Julian because there's yeah. no such thing as cell phones. And in my mind, like, have you ever been without your cell phone when you felt like you really needed it? Yes. Me too. And it's like, it feels like an additional appendage. And when you don't have it, it's like a phantom limb. And so it's really, um, it's strange to see movies, you know, pre, I don't cell know, phone? 2000, 2004, where cell phones aren't like, you know, ubiquitous, ubiquitous or part of someone's body, so to speak. And in this, it's like, but it also, I mean, I guess the sort of reassuring component in a way is it shows how humanity existed for thousands of years pre-cell phones and yeah, we were yeah. fine. I mean, people still find themselves in fucked up. It doesn't solve no. all problems, but a lot of movie problems. Whereas if like, if you don't text me back in five minutes, I start freaking out. So, uh, yeah, I know. Um, I was like Florence. The, whenever you don't, whenever you don't text me back, I know, I'm like Florence. wandering the streets alone to some sad Miles yeah, Davis going up music. and down Figueroa and Highland Park. Have you seen Casey O'Brien? Get away from me. Um, 
See, you think you see me in a car driving by. Um, you know, we're not giving enough credit to Florence. She is like the main character of this movie because she's like walking around trying to like figure out what the fuck is going on. And it's a lot of just shots of her sad face with Miles Davis music playing. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, Patrick, the last time. Can I tell you the story of the last time I was out without a phone? Yes. When was it? Trish and I had just started dating and we were we were meant oh, to go yes. to dinner. I've, with- I've heard this. I love this story. And I was also training for the Los Angeles Marathon. So I ran 20 miles, and I used to not bring my phone when I ran. And so I didn't have my phone or my key. And I thought my roommates were going to be home. So I get back. I'm exhausted. I just ran 20 miles, and it's starting to rain. And I get to the door, and it's locked. And I'm like, my God, where are they? I go to a market nearby. I'm like, I need a Gatorade. I'll pay you back. I don't have my wallet. And they're like, okay. Oh, they actually gave it to you? Yeah, and then I was like, can I use your phone? I must have sounded crazy. And they're like, okay. And I could not, Trish and I had been dating for like two months, so I didn't know her phone number by heart. I do now. Um, But then I didn't. So I called my, and I didn't know any of my roommates' numbers or any of my friends' numbers by phone. Do you know my phone number by heart? No, I don't know any of my friends' numbers. So, yeah, so I called my mom. Actually, I might know but that's it. I, of course you do. Uh... My mom, I call my mom and she, I'm like, mom, can you get Brady? Brady has my roommate's phone number. And she's like, okay. Uh, and she's like freaking out. And she's like, Casey, wait, uh, let me get the number. Uh, wait, what's Brady's number? Wait, I'm was looking she really at stressed? It. Did you tell her you were yeah, okay? She was, yeah, I told her I was okay, but she was like streak, freaking out. And she was like, I can't look at Brady's number while I'm talking to you on the phone. Wait, let me see it. <laughs> Six one. Uh, wait, wait, Casey. Go, what's going on? And, she, and then I, I was like, my mom was driving me nuts. And so I had to <laughs> slam the phone down on her and hang up on her because she was driving me crazy. You actually hung up on your mom? Yes. And <laughs> then I was like, Trisha's apartment was like a mile and a half from my apartment. It so was I was pretty like, close, I, guess I remember. I'll just walk. But I had already ran 20 miles and it was raining and it was freezing. And I walked there and I showed up at her apartment, sopping wet, wet in my shorts and t-shirt. And she was like, where have you been? I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so it wasn't hot. It wasn't like a Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunn, Spider-Man sort of makeout sesh when you showed. No, it was like, uh, it was like in a Clockwork Orange where he collapses at that guy's apartment. You remember that part? (laughs) Yes, that's an amazing reference. (laughs) Anyways, Patrick. Yeah. It's time to move to the fartsy test, my main man. Oh, shit. We've gone that far, that long. Oh, Patrick, what did I say? Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm having a good attitude. Yeah, let's get to it, my lips. Let's zip them. This is the fartsy test. We use this test to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy-fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from the list. It's a living document. It's a living document, document. much like the Constitution. It's a document. It's a living document, much like the Constitution, but much more important. I was going to say, I just watched a movie where Nicolas Cage stole the Constitution, but he stole the uh, Declaration of Independence, a very different document. Um, Anyways, Patrick, is there any music in this film? Oh, we know there is, bad boy. It's amazing. I remember being at Norm's off Pico, writing essays, listening to... We can, you would case, write an essay in a Norm's on Pico? Yeah, yeah, I could do that. You're such a romantic. Yeah. You love oh, to like I love go that. to a place yeah. to write in a notebook. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I'm if I could do that I'm surprised you didn't take now. up smoking cigarettes. I think because I knew how awful they 
off of you. It's Truly so terrible. No um, one should smoke a cigarette. No one should smoke them. It's funny. Okay, in the UK, it's called Lift to the Scaffold. Which sounds awful. Huh? Lift to the Scaffold? Did you see this too, also known as Frantic in the United States? I don't mind that one as much as Lift to the Scaffold. Lift to the, the Scaffold UK. is worse, but Frantic sucks because that's like that Harrison Ford movie. Yeah, but that didn't come out much later. Yeah, the 80s. Did you ever see Frantic? No. Me neither. I just know it from the Bare Naked Ladies song. Oh, well, how does that song go? Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Like Stingham Tantric. Like Stingham Tantric. And like, like I'm looking at that Earth. Oh, that's the line. Like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Like Stingham Tantric. Mm-hmm. Which means I'm guaranteed to satisfy. Guaranteed to like satisfy. Like Kurosawa, yeah. something, make films. K, I don't make films. But if I did, they'd have a samurai. Well, like Harrison Ford, I'm getting frantic. Like Stingham Tantric. Like Stingham's guaranteed to satisfy. Like Kurosawa, I make mad films. K, I don't make films. But if I did, they'd have a samurai. I loved that song when it came out. It's been one wink long me. Name your second favorite Bare Naked Ladies song. Pinch me. So pinch cool. me. Mine is, if I had a million dollars. I knew that was going to be yours. Knew. Moving on. <laughs> is there a suicide? There's attempted suicide in this movie. Oh, there sure is. Veronique These and Louie. These dumb Louis. teens. Mm-hmm. They Probably had like take some pills. <laughs> half a Benadryl. And then they they take a kind of grumpy nap and they wake up totally fine. <laughs> and it's funny because Jean Moreau during the whole movie is kind of trying to suss out what the fuck happened. Yeah, that's Florence, right? Yeah, Jean Florence, Moreau, yeah. yeah. And she like she's like you. T- she breaks into their apartment and is like you two idiots <laughs> tried to kill yourself and didn't even do that right. You fuck ups. That was so. Fu- that like, was a funny scene. It's like I don't know. if if it's played to be funny maybe there's an element of comedy in that scene but it was really good and the kid the teens are like we're so sleepy (laughs) and this woman's coming in and yelling at them (gasps) okay does someone masturbate is there a penis in this movie no no nudity Mm -mm. there's some is there even a kiss in this movie a sensual kiss you know there's some photos of the past where they're snuggling. There's a scene where we it. see, like, there's some sexual suggestive scenes with, like, Veronique and Louis. Like, there's a scene where, like, Veronique is in bed, presumably. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. And she's topless. Yeah, and she's like, come but to bed. But we don't see that. Yeah, they're both horned up about committing crimes. <laughs> Kids, if that's your kink, uh, that's one kink I will shame. Yeah, we will criminal shame behavior. murder as a kink. Murder and criminal behavior. I'm sorry, that's not okay. Even if the hot Eric guy from high school is doing it. Anyways. Are there topics, images, or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered acceptable in a mainstream film? I'm going to say no for this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's, so. It's, a, it's like a noir film. There's murder. There's passion. Violence. But that's a mainstream movie. Mm-hmm. This is, in some ways, a mainstream movie. Yeah, I agree. Can Peanut start watching this movie after 8 p.m. without Shut falling asleep? Fuck. Patrick, you, you're you going to have to tell me. I, I, don't know. Did, I did okay. I did not fall asleep during this movie. Um, okay. Is there an inordinate amount of milling about, so much so that you could retitle this film the 2013 comedy with Jason Sudeikis, We're the Millers? There's some milling. Oh, tons of milling. There's millage. quite a bit of milling. Florence yeah. as a whole 
MO during this movie is milling about the town asking, have you seen It's Judean? like 14 to 18 uncut minutes of milling. But some of the best just upset face jazz music playing in the background. Yeah. And she great. goes to kind of like cool, fun places. I know you don't like to go out, but she goes to some places that would be great for like one of my patented bundle evenings. I like to go out, but I just like one location that was cool. Yeah, you don't like the bundle. She the did book. a good I bundle. I hate the bundle. <laughs> You're a big bundler. I've always said that. Yeah, we've got a lot of feedback since it's really funny. Since you mentioned me in the bundling, we got a lot of feedback about the bundling. Oh, we did? What were people saying? Most people, people were pro-bundle? Most people are on your side. <laughs> the bundle is dangerous, Patrick. Because where does it end? The bundle gets bigger and bigger. It never... It, until it eats you up. It crushes you. Until you top... The bundle gets bigger and bigger until you topple over. You can't until you topple the over the and then you are part of the bundle. And then it's hard to decipher between Patrick and the bundle. <laughs> That would be your, oh, okay. So if you were a villain in a comic book, you would be the bundler. And what do I do? I think you'd collect, you'd like suck people in with like a vacuum and it'd become a part of you. Okay. Like an actual vacuum or do I just kind of like, like I go out to or, places. Or you and, grab them and they be, they assimilate to your body. Okay. Okay. Like when I go to different places, I'll kind of talk to someone. And they become a part of you. You remember? Okay. So you remember in Aliens? Mm-hmm. How? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? I do. I famously hate Aliens. You hate Aliens? Uh, okay. Let me walk that back. I don't like it. I just I just love Aliens so much, and I hate James Cameron so much. You hate James Cameron. I, hate I have James a love-hate relationship with James, James Cameron. James I really Cameron, like some And I love Alien. So Aliens to me is just... But I love Bill okay. Paxton. I love Sigourney Weaver. There's a lot of things to like about aliens. Okay. I just hate James Cameron. Anyways. Aliens. They find the nest of the... What are those aliens called? Xenomorphs, excuse me. Xenomorphs. Okay. So the xenomorphs have taken over this planet and they have this like whole nest. And people are a part of the nest. They've become like assimilated to... You remember there's a part where this woman like jumps out from the nest and is like, help me. It's really disgusting. Oh, no. Okay. So you remember the movie Society? Oh yeah, love society. That would be you. You'd be the bundler, and you'd become no. you'd mass shunting. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! It's not that would be me. you'd rolling around the town. <laughs> that is it. You're the bundler, dude. You love to shunt. I'm working on reducing my bundles. I still like bundling, but I'm trying to trim down my bundles. I just feel like you get off on that. You're like, oh, what a fucking bundle this is gonna be when I go out. I'm gonna bundle these all together. What if I add to the bundle? It's fun. How does that not appeal? It doesn't appeal to you in any capacity. That stresses me out. Oh my when God. I'm like, there's another thing I have to do after this thing. But what about I, like, when we were in Minneapolis? We we did some bundling in Minneapolis. Were you stressed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you worried? That was, that was a crazy weekend, Patrick. Oh. <laughs> it was fun, though. It was fun. But again, I'm... Uh, where the we, bundle where, where charges we we you. The twins. I, you know what the the problem was? I was absorbed into the bundle, and you were sucking my life force out of me. I know you could barely stand up. I just my face was you. like, it was like I was like underneath your skin, and I was pushing out, and I was going, "Help me!" And no one could hear my screams. I totally wrapped you up in my bundle scramble. Oh God. Okay. What are? Where are we? Okay. I don't so know. Patrick. I feel like the falling asleep question and the infinite jest question are too similar. I'm always tweaking the fartsy test. You know what I mean? Don't say I'm. We're both tweaking. We're both doing it. But I'm We're saying, both tweakers. don't you agree? 
I'm not getting much out of that infinite jest question. Um, or I'm okay setting it aside for a bit and maybe reintroducing later. Yeah, let's set it aside. Oh, I'm excited about this next. Seven just seems like a good number for the fartsy test. It's sleek. It's lucky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Okay, so I'm excited about this next question. The poster titillation level. Let's look it up. I love that poster. Now, there are two... Wait, let me say again. There are two famous posters for this. There's the one that's the cover of the Criterion, where it looks like it's... Um, like, uh, who's that famous graphic designer... Uh, who did um, Saul Psycho. Bass. Yeah, it looks like Saul Bass. Yeah, love you know Saul which Bass. one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a lot of Hitchcock opening title sequences. But you, you know which Elevator to the Gallows cover I'm talking about? Uh, let me make sure. I'm pretty sure. It's the Is it the cover from the original Criterion? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's one. And then there's also the one that looks like a painting. And that might be the original movie poster. Do you know what I'm talking about? The blue? Oh, that one's looks really like cool. Looks like the blue lady. Yeah, that one's super cool. Are you titillated? Yeah, I'm titillated. Low, medium, high. And you know what's funny is the one that I recognize the most is the one that's the cover of the Miles Davis record. Is that wait? Which one is it? Is it? It's where Jean Moreau. Yeah, it's a photo of her, and she's kind of looking up and over her shoulder, kind of. Okay. Yeah. And it says Miles Davis up top, and says Associate Police Force. Yeah. Uh. Okay. That's cool too. Yeah, I'd say that's a titillating poster. I'm titillated. I'm going to give it a medium because I'm like, okay, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's iconic. I wouldn't say it's stop I wouldn't dead give in it your a tracks, high. but it's cooler than your average poster. Like the piano teacher, that's like a high level of like, what is this movie? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm titillated. Especially between the title and I think because this is a very nebulous question, but I do like it. But I think there's something about it. Like if you came of age at a certain point and you saw the piano teacher, like, that poster around like in movie stores or in theaters it there was something about it that like yeah you were like this is art house mm-hmm. this is cinema yes yes where i don't knew. get that so i'm gonna give this i'm gonna give this a medium medium low mm. i'm not that titular i'm gonna do a medium this. i'm gonna do a medium okay, medium very good um patrick do you have anything pretentious you'd like to say about this movie yes yeah, so one thing that we didn't really touch on during our discussion of it is kind of what i was thinking about during this movie is it's definitely an artsy fartsy movie, but it's also um, a genre film. You know, it's like a crime totally. noir genre film. And if this were an American movie, I could, like this could totally be like an American noir film. Exactly. I think. Exactly. And so, like, if you're at a party and you're trying to sound something like artsy fartsy or something pretentious to say about Elevator to the Gallows, you could just say it's it's in the spirit of genre films and how genre films kind of provide filmmakers with a vehicle or avenue to experiment with style and form and insert some kind of maybe more controversial themes. Like, I don't know if you remember, but there's there's a lot of anti-war rhetoric in this. There's a lot mm. of complaints about um, the occupation of Algeria. There's a lot of complaints about um, their presence in Vietnam prior, you know, in the late 40s, early 50s. So there's a lot of anti-war, anti-imperialist rhetoric. And then there's some really cool stylistically, like there's there's a particular shot, like a sort of um, case. What's that called where it's almost like it's dolly forward and zooming in or maybe the opposite, zooming out and dolly forward. Martin Scorsese. The Jaws shot? Yeah, the Jaws shot. And Scorsese does that a lot too. And there's a particular shot in this that is kind of like the Jaws shot. I don't know if the exact same thing technically, but it felt very... um, 
experimental and unlike anything else from this area. This movie reminded me, it felt like a very clear influence on Michael Mann. Like it reminded me a lot of Michael mm. Mann's films, like Heat and Manhunter and Thief. Um, Do you like Michael Mann? I love Michael Mann. Do you like Michael Mann? I'm a little cool on that guy. Okay. I love Michael Mann. And so this movie was like, it showed how you, how you can use genre, genre films to kind of play around with style and to insert some cool or unique themes. You love such masculine filmmakers. That's Scorsese, n- not, Michael Mann. Oh my God, you shut up. I like all kinds of filmmakers. Uh, Patrick, okay, here's my pretentious thing I'm going to say. So sometimes at a party, you want to just be able to be in and out real quick. You want to be able to drop something that's like pretentious and then just walk away. You know, you don't want to have to necessarily... And here's what you can say at a party. Did you know Louis Maul was only 24 years old when he directed Elevator to the Gallows? Well, you mentioned that earlier. (laughs) That's all you need to say. That's all you need to say. You don't need... Like, if people are talking about, like, French New Wave, you could just be like, did you know that Louis Maul was only 24 years old when he directed Elevator to the Gallows? People would be like, oh my God, that's an... Like, that's it. That's all you need. And then you're out. How old was um, P.T. Anderson when he directed Boogie Nights? I believe he was 27. Jesus Which is also insane. These are children. Like, think they about that. Like, I already feel like I'm not fully formed at 32. Say that again. And then at 27, you're directing Boogie Fucking I know. Nights. 24? Yeah, for Elevator to the Gallows with Miles Davis scoring your fucking movie. Yeah, you know, I don't... It's not good to compare yourself to other people, but sometimes <laughs> it's, it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. And I do it. And I used to do it all, like, every day of my life from 21 to 29. And then when you turn 30, you're like, it's over. Why bother? Right. You know? So, but I actually feel younger and like things are more possible now than what I did when I was 23. When I was 23, I'm like, it's over, man. It's fucking over. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's too late for me. It's too late. And I don't feel that way anymore. You know? Mm -hmm. You can only say that to yourself so many times before it loses steam. Agreed, man. Oh, Patrick. What's your score for this movie? Ready? Yep. 6.7. Whoa, Patrick, we are in the same line of thinking. I said 6.5. Cool, cool. So it's 6.6. Perfect. Love that. Love that. Yeah, because like we were saying, it is French and there's subtitles. Mm -hmm. But it is like, if this were in English, it would be like like any other like double indemnity exactly if this were like in english like early to mid 90s like people would really enjoy this movie like it's yeah i mean people would enjoy it as it is now but i mean there's those sort of barriers to the average film goer but i mean it's like a really compelling crime thriller and it doesn't it it doesn't have any of that like european bullshit i mean it does but it's like i mean there's that sort of breathy proclamations of love but it's not not really though, but like you know, like the four hundred blows. I just feel like someone would be like, "What the fuck? This is so." Right. It's French. not. It's not a sort of like, not in a philosophizing sort of way. And they're like, "What yeah. is love?" It's just like these people just like want to be together. Yeah, and they just all they want to do is just murder someone's husband. They just want to murder and fuck, bro. Dude, I I get it. And who I doesn't want that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick. Hmm. Do you have a drink pairing? Yes, I do. Um, and folks might quarrel with this. Who's going to quarrel? Fans, <laughs> don't quarrel with each other. <laughs> um, an affogato. Hey. Yeah. 
I love an affogato. And what is that, Patrick? Explain. So it's what I was craving last night when I was watching this. And I wanted one really badly because I was I started the movie and I was like, you know what? We could go with this movie as an affogato. And an affogato is ice cream with espresso. And it's, On top, it's really a tasty treat. It's fantastic. I got to tell the story, Patrick, oh, about God, you what, and affogados. Wait, what is so, the story with me and affogados? What story? We were at <laughs> the restaurant Golden State, which serves a great uh, burger. We were getting burgers there. <laughs> and there was a travel show. There was like um, a TV food travel show shooting in that restaurant while we were there. So it was you, me, and he who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. And... We were eating burgers, and these this camera crew comes up to us, and it's like, have you guys had the beer milkshake here before? And we hadn't, but we said we had. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was like, can I interview you guys about it? And we're like, sure. And these are like some real bro guys. Yeah. And they, they buy us a beer milkshake, and we're drinking it. And they turn the cameras on and start interviewing Patrick. And he's like, what do you, hey, bro, what do you think about this uh, beer milkshake? And Patrick's like, it's got a very complicated uh, uh, taste to it. There's many layers. I did get a sample of one. I wasn't completely based on nothing. No, I know. We got samples. We We did get samples. But you're like, (laughs) the quote was, you're like, it has an almost affogato-like flavor. (laughs) And we were working at a fancy coffee shop that served affogatos at that time. But I remember... And I were like, no one knows what the fucking affogato <laughs> is. And you're like, yeah, they do. I bet like 50% of the people who watch the show know what an affogato is. And the guy, when you said affogato, like you could just see the <laughs> the joy drain from this guy's face who was interviewing you. And he was like, yeah, but is it like sick and awesome? And you're like, um, yeah, it's good. And then they interviewed me. And I knew what he wanted. And what did so you was like, say? How did you ham it up? I was did- like, this drink is sick. It is so good. It's just got like beer and ice cream and it's so tight. And he ate it up. He loved that. I was is that what that. happened? Is that how it? Yeah. That is how it happened. A hundred percent. I know. I know. Affogato. No one knows what an affogato is. Really I don't funny. even think. I, I s- feel like most people know affogato. No, they don't. Okay. This will be a big poll okay, yes. on instagram yes so we'll do have, you know we'll what have an our, affogato uh, sorry, is instagram in uh our instagram operator who is anonymous the phantom of the podcast the phantom of the podcast they'll run one on theirs and then i'll uh, Bra- excuse me brad will run <laughs> yes brad <laughs> if he can get his shit together affogato yeah, Brad, i haven't even like even seen i haven't even seen yeah brad's in joshua tree trying to find <laughs> himself right now i haven't even seen affogato on a menu what do you mean you've never seen affogato like an I've never seen them anywhere. You obviously have never been to an Italian food restaurant in your life. That is such bullshit. I always... It was, didn't Buca de Beppo start in Minneapolis, too? The original Buca de Beppo location is a block yeah, from my parents' house. We walked house. past it. And you're trying to tell me that you don't know what an affogato is. I guarantee you they had affogato. I know what an affogato is. I'm just saying the normal person, the normal listener, not someone who works in fancy foods, they don't know what that is. All right. We'll see, man. Bitch. We'll see. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> well, you were the laughing stock that day. I, I was sure the was. King. Yes, everyone could not stop laughing. You know, the only person that would really appreciate the story is, but he doesn't listen to the show, no. so he won't. Isn't get to that crazy? It. I don't think has listened to a single episode. Well, which is odd. I mean, I mean, not that he has to love the show, but I'd be kind of curious to see what we were saying. I would too. 
He's jealous. I don't know what to say. I He's like if us. if someone is my friend or family, I want to know what they're saying. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. A lot of times we'll be in Patrick's apartment. He'll be in the bathroom and, <laughs> and I will be talking, and Patrick will be like, "What are you guys talking about? Wait, what did you say? I heard because this I name. I swear to God, the most I interesting part name. of the conversation is when I go to the bathroom, and then you guys kick that, the conversation to high gear. That is a that is that's your own sick head <laughs> twisting this. That if you're not in the room, it must be more interesting. It's yes, always that, that grass is greener <laughs> bullshit, Patrick. I think it's the true. bundler is at it again. He wants to bundle us. I want to bundle shitting in shit. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness, Patrick. Okay, oh, Patrick. Okay, <laughs> where are we I'm at sorry, now? I really laid into you this episode, and I apologize <laughs> for funny. that. But most of it was necessary. Yes, it was. Um, Patrick, next week okay, this is, is our super exciting. This is big news, people. Oh. Huge. Next week is our year anniversary of Fart House. I could start crying right now if I allowed myself. Really? How how long do you think it would take for you to cry if we gave you the floor? Well, now that we've kind of like put me on the spot, now, I don't think I could cry now. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> we we talked about this before. I think it was on the show. Did we talk about this on the show before? I think we did. Where every year, because we're doing this for 60 years, I believe we're committed to. Contractually obligated mm-hmm, for 60 mm-hmm. years. We'll figure it out after we finish his movies. But every year we're going to do a David Lynch movie mm-hmm. to commemorate our year of doing the podcast. So we need David Lynch to make 37 more movies. Hmm. Yeah, well, well, well. You know what we could do well, after we do all of his movies? We'll do a single Twin Peaks episode. <laughs> there we go. That's that's it, Patrick. I think that would, I think that would be about sixty. Yeah, together, just right? about, just about. Uh, maybe we could skip Dune, although I kind of liked his Dune. Okay, I have a very embarrassing thing to admit. The only Lynch movie I have not seen is Dune. I don't think that's that embarrassing, Patrick. Okay. I can see why you skipped it, but I actually kind of like it. Technically, it has... it's not part of his filmography. I mean, he's completely washed his hands of that film. I don't think. I think. I don't even think he's credited as director. Is he? Isn't it an yeah, Alan Smithy movie? Oh, okay. But you know, he's kind of been like, "It is what it is." His ideas are certainly in there. A lot of his ideas. Mm. So, um, have you seen a straight story? Yeah, I love a straight story. I like Dune more than Straight Story. You do? I love Straight Story. I think it's fine. I cried in Straight Story. Man, you're just a ball of waterworks. I I sure am, Uh, man. I feel But anyways, we're going to talk about one of the classic art house movies of all time. Mm -hmm. One of the utmost amazing art house movies. Eraserhead. And it's our one fucking year anniversary. Yeah, one year. Patrick, what do you think the haters were saying when we first started? Oh, the started haters, this dude, they, they were, they were saying they're never going to do no, this. No, they were saying they're never going to do this. They wouldn't even, they won't even make it episode 10, man. Look at us. Yeah. They were saying, they were saying, Patrick, he's probably going to move to Austin. And they were right about that. <laughs> but, uh, that wasn't kind of them to say, but uh, that yeah, the haters, we shut them up. We, we shut really up the haters Patrick. and we're going to keep shutting up the haters for the next 60 years. So but we you got know 59 more ha- years after, yeah. <laughs> after. The thing about the haters <laughs> is Patrick, they don't, they don't ever stop talking. No, they don't. But, but that's we where we derive our energy house. from. Yes. We hate, we, we feed on their hate. <laughs> we're powered by haters. Yeah. We're powered by their the hate. <laughs> we love it. We fucking love it. Uh, 
<laughs> so we're talking about Eraserhead, which I'm excited to talk about because I don't think I've seen that movie since I was like 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And, but it had a real impact at, on me. And I really, it's one of those movies, I was saying this before we recorded, it's one of those movies that I really remember like every second of the movie because it's like ingrained in my brain, but I've only seen it once. Do you remember the first, uh, I'm kind of giving away some information from next episode, but do you, I actually want to put this answer or put this question on its on its head or on its side. I don't know what I want to do with this question. I want to give this you question. You want to flip it upside down and then do put you it on own a racer head? No. I don't. Oh, okay. Because I, I have only kind own... of a interesting I have an interesting story for about the 0.01% of listeners who are into physical media about my relationship with copies of Eraserhead. I I am famously not a big physical media person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or historically, I haven't been. Yeah, <laughs> and you've been ridiculed uh, in film circles for this. But it's not because I don't you have want a horrible reputation. Well, Patrick, you're the bundler, and you, <laughs> you, you, you grab uh, physical media. You suck it up with like a straw. I know. Well, I'm and, a little bit apprehensive. I put all my shit in a pod, and it's probably like 180 degrees inside of that thing. Oh shit! And I'm nervous everything's gonna arrive just completely melted oh. down. <laughs> God, wouldn't that be just horrible? A stew of, you know, as awful uh, as it would be, it would. I, I have to be on. As it would be awful, and I'd be you would really be free. upset. But I'd feel a little liberated. <laughs> it be that sounds like the beginning of Fight Club, where his apartment explodes <laughs> yeah. and he's like free of his things. The only physical media of David Lynch that I own, I just purchased it—a beautiful blue velvet Blu-ray, That's which is the my favorite. Only movie. David Lynch physical media that you own. I probably only own about 12 movies. You do? I didn't yeah. know it was that few. I thought you owned at least, I don't know. I don't, I never had, I never had money to buy them. Well, I, did you have I, a job in, feel, in high school? Uh, Occasionally. Mm. Yeah, I did. See, this is my, one of my biggest regrets. I had a job in high school and I worked quite a bit. I worked about 25, 30 hours a week in high school. And what I would do is I would go straight from work. I worked at a pizza place. And to go straight from work to Blockbuster and just buy fucking DVDs. And I cannot tell you how much I regret that, but it is what it is. Yeah, I I feel like I spent money on like, but I wasn't making a ton of money and I just needed the money and I never, and then I went into crazy credit card debt in my 20s just because I didn't have, mm-hmm. I wasn't making enough money. So I just yeah. felt like money I did know not that story. Ha- and I just didn't have the resources to buy stuff. And now I have a job and things are a little more comfortable. So I feel like I've been trying to buy more physical media because I actually do think it's important mm-hmm. and I like buying mm-hmm. them. But uh, so I've had to be more thoughtful about that process, okay. I guess. Okay. So I know I, I, I should buy, I'd love to get a good eraser head. I love this movie. It's, yeah, it's, it's on inspired Criterion me maybe more than any other movie. I love it. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah. And I'm really we have a couple other it. fun announcements, but we'll tease that uh, for next week. Big stuff is happening. Yeah. We're heading Patrons. into a whole new Heading into a realm tier. Yeah, realm. So that's our show. Uh, so if you want to follow us on Twitter, Farthouse Pod, Instagram, Farthouse Pod, where you can hear the Phantom of the Podcast. Uh, yes. And Brad post should be getting back from Joshua Tree pretty soon. I hope he didn't eat all that peyote. <laughs> maybe he'll be coming back with some fun new ideas for the. Maybe the I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow Patrick on Twitter, Twitter at Patrick Armellon, his letterbox at PR Mallon. My letterbox is at Casey Lee O'Brien. Follow us. We're always posting fun stuff. Have I been liking your reviews more often now, Patrick? No, you have you haven't been, no. <laughs> Not at all. In fact, what was the last one that you liked? 
I don't know. Well, the pro- here's the problem. You haven't been putting any new movies on but, there, yeah, dude. Yeah, but you don't even like the ones that I... A, you don't even log the movies you watch for the show. Okay. You know what? I don't. No. I always forget you to do You don't, that. which is odd. And B, <laughs> you don't like the the my reviews for this fucking show. I'm sorry. I'll need to be better about it. And I did, I've had some banger reviews for some of our I know you spend so much time and they're very thoughtful and they're good I need to be well better. I, don't I know. need to be better I don't know about the stranger by the lake I mean I liked my stranger by the lake review but I wouldn't say it's super thoughtful but Ooh, okay I'm sorry I'll be better I am I'm sorry but anyways if you want to be better than Patrick or I uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. it really helps the show um okay Patrick that's it this was a great show I'm sorry I yelled at you so much that's okay uh, it's because I love you and I'm excited for your new little venture in Austin. I just want you guys where to we'll come have visit, to visit. For just like five seconds. Just like a five I, second Patrick, visit. I would want to come to visit more than five seconds because I, to fly and then only step out and be there for five seconds, mm-hmm. that would be insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that. I mean, if, if time is a constraint, five seconds is fine with me. But I'd prefer you to come for like 10, 12, 60 days. Oh, my God. 60 uh, Patrick, did you know that Austin is the most visited city by me other than Minneapolis or Los Angeles? I Holy shit, no. I would have guessed New York. I've been... Uh, You've been to Austin more than New York? I've been there the same amount. Okay. But in the last five years, Austin I, is like the only other major city I've been to. See? You, you know it well. You know it like the back of your sweet, beautiful hand. I actually kind of do know it well. Yeah. It's funny. I like Austin. Yeah. So... I'll have to go visit you. Yeah, Maybe when it great. cools down. Yeah, please do. Uh, it'll probably cool down December 1st and warm back up March 1st. Okay, cool. <laughs> gotta get in that window. Yeah, you gotta have like a 60 to 90 day window of comfort. All right, Patrick. That's it. We're done here. All right. These are the Cinephile Cuties signing off. Bye. 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 Bye.